Hi there. Welcome to This Human Life podcast, the companion podcast to the book, This Human. Uh, I'm Melissa and uh, I am reading through the book page by page. This is like a, a cross between a mm, audiobook and a podcast. I basically read through and go a little bit deeper into the content, um, share some stories and and um, have a bit of a laugh and a bit of a giggle. And that's it. So really glad you're here um, and uh, I might as well just get straight into it. We're on page 61. We're starting with pathway to impact. So up until this time, we've been talking about vision and envisioning and the use of um, imagination and intuition in your work, beliefs, biases, all of that type of stuff. And as you progressively work through the book, it gets more and more tangible as we go through. So we're now getting to the point where we need to start actually thinking about impact and what it is that we hope that our work will ultimately achieve in the world. So, all right, page 61, chapter two, Envision. Pathway to impact. A vision is only useful if you can see a pathway to the impact you envisioned. This doesn't mean seeing every single step along the way. It is about seeing a pathway from your current reality to the one you intend to create. This sets up the intention and directionality of your work. The steps by necessity must emerge meaningfully from the context of your inquiry or inquiry. <laughs> um, I think that is an important point though, that which I will just make, which is about um, emergence and how we often talk about design as an emergent practice, but we perhaps find it difficult to enable the process to take its course sometimes, especially those of us who like to have a plan <laughs> and like to know what's happening next and are under pressure to report out on, on those things and so need to have a little bit of order and predictability about our work and balance that with the action, orientation or emergent nature of uh, design work which is, you know, it's through the doing that you uncover the next best step sometimes. And it's one of the things that makes design, designly ways of working very well suited to complex um, situations. And it's also one of the most difficult parts of design to integrate into organizations that are actually designed not around those things. They're designed around time management, cost management, quality management, and sometimes interfacing into this, it's not impossible by any stretch. Um, people do it all the time, um, but it can provide some challenges, especially around comfort with ambiguity and uncertainty and always having to, you know, have the answers and, um, and that sort of thing. So um, the importance of having a clear way to articulate the intention behind the work, the outcomes that you're ultimately in service of, and in times where people are questioning you about the process, the how, the next steps, to be able to give them the answer to the degree that you know. So the next step that I know that is um, appropriate for me to take is X. And then also reconnecting people back with why you're in the room and what it is that you're ultimately in service of in the first place. And I think oftentimes we argue or have different perspectives on how to do something, the approach that we're going to take. And there's less dissonance around why we're doing the work in the first place. So I always find it helpful to just reconnect back with the whole point of things. And uh, yeah, having that sort of um, envisioning work 
um, in your back pocket helps with those conversations. Okay, seeing it through page 62. When you are visualizing your ideas, you are actually looking for a pathway from insight to something real in the world. The intention is to bring together many pieces of information and insight and turn them into a coherent and understandable, meaningful representation. To see the way through, you need to be able to think about all the ways that this idea can be brought to life. It might be through words, pictures, video, or even sculpture. We all have different ways of bringing form to our ideas. This is an essential step in communicating your idea to others. There are many ways to achieve an outcome, but I prefer to focus on intentions and outcomes rather than activities. Okay, so the next exercise, exercise 2.5, is called choosing a desirable pathway. Whether you use a desirable conversation or a desirable outcome, tethering your thinking in the desired state helps you see a way through. How many times do I want to use desire in that sentence? That's hilarious. Okay, I've um, laid out two different ways of being able to communicate and see a pathway through from insight into an idea and how it's going to manifest in the world. One is called conversation-based pathways and the other one is called outcome-based pathways. So let's go through each and then um, we can have a bit of a a chit-chat about why I've done that. Okay, using conversation-based pathways, step one. What conversation would you like to have about the impact of your work? Think about the ideal version of this conversation you would be having when your work is a huge success and has had the impact you are hoping for. Step two, to be able to have this conversation, what does the work need to achieve? List all the things that must come together to make it possible for you to have the conversation you have described above. Step three, What is the next thing you need to focus on to make sure it all comes together? Create focus on the next reasonable action that ticks off one of the items on the list you've created above. Work back using desirable conversations. Imagine yourself in the future having a conversation about your work, which has achieved everything you hope it will. Connect with that conversation, then work back to your current reality. What needs to be in place for you to say the things you you want about your work? What do you need to focus on to make that actually happen? So this approach, which I've referred to as conversation-based pathways, is um, something that I use really often, which is when I'm not clear or when I've lost my way in a a piece of work or I, I need to work out how to bring a team together around a difficult situation or whatever it might be, and the pathway is not clear. I often try and project myself into the future and and um, try and imagine the types of conversations that I would like to be having about the work that we're about to embark on together. And for me to be able to have that conversation about the work, obviously the work needs to happen in a certain way. So by putting myself in a position where I'm having that conversation with someone helps me become very connected to what it is that I want the work to be able to achieve and then I can start asking my question okay so if myself the question so if the work that we're embarking on wants to achieve these things how do we go about doing that what's the next best step so it's basically using almost like an enactment to be able to connect with where we're going it's really really useful for me in particular um, when I'm lost and I can't see a pathway through 
All right, the second series of steps is using outcome-based pathways. So instead of working back from a desirable conversation, you work back from a desirable outcome. Another way to see the pathway through to your vision is to start with the desired outcome. Don't make this solution specific. It is about the human experience and the description of the impact scenario in this case. What needs to be present for this scenario to play out? For those things to be present, what outcome or outputs does your work need to deliver? So step one, if we intend to have this impact, dot, 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 Describe the impact or outcome you would like to achieve from successfully delivering this work. You can use the impact scenarios, which we've um, covered in the previous chapters, as a way to answer this first question. Step two, these attributes need to be present for that to happen. List all the attributes that need to come together to ensure this impact is possible and don't try to prioritize them. So this is very akin to just automatic writing, right? So just write the list as it comes out of your head. Step three, for those attributes to be present, my work has to dot, dot, dot. Look at the list of attributes and identify the ones your work can directly influence. Describe what your work has to do to make these attributes happen. And finally, step four, the next thing I need to focus on is dot, 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 create focus on the next reasonable action that ticks off one of the items on the list you have created above. So I know that it's hard to follow these exercises when you're just listening to someone, but uh, that's on page 63 in the book. And if you don't have the book, um, all of the chapter two worksheets are going to be made available on thishuman.com. Um, by the end of this month, which is September 2020. So you'll be able to download them and work through them for free, for free. All right, Um, next page, 64. By blocking our intuition, this is just a quote, by blocking our intuition, we are limiting ourselves to linear causal thinking. This is a very narrow viewpoint and toolkit indeed. One of the mistakes, I think, that uh, I think we make not just as designers but just as humans is that we privilege our rational brain and our rational thought processes over most other forms of wisdom that we actually have access to. And the more that I practice human-centered design, the more that I am in um, positions where I need to lead or advise or whatever, coach, the more and more research and exploration I'm doing into all of the different forms of wisdom that we actually have access to, like intuition and imagination and curiosity and body wisdom, which you'll probably start hearing me talk more and more about as I explore and become more knowledgeable about that space. But in the work that we do, especially in the creative realm, for us to be able to uncover those golden surprising insights and those beautiful elegant simple ideas and solutions to the challenges that you know we're tasked to work on or we choose to work on it's going to require all of us and our rational logical linear thinking is really good at dissecting things into their moving parts and understanding the moving parts but it's so it's really good at analysis But I don't know whether it's great at synthesis or it's great at dreaming up a potential solution, which is why in my book I talk a lot about intuition and imagination and 
and and other sort of topics like that because we do need to be a little bit open-minded to how we approach problem solving in our work okay page 66 intuition imagination and curiosity so this is a little quote by john seeley brown i think we're way too focused on creativity it's misguided we should be focused on imagination the real key is being able to imagine a new world once i imagine something new then answering how to get from here to there involves steps of creativity so i can be creative in solving today's problems but if i can't imagine something new then i'm stuck in the current situation so that's really um i think i've got that in there because it's a really nice uh, way to think about imagination and creativity differently. I've always thought that imagination is an internal process and creativity can be um, an external process. One is the uh, mechanism that brings the other into reality. So the creativity is a mechanism, a way of working, a way of creating, <laughs> to use the word, the root word, um, something that we can conjure up in our imagination. Okay, trusting your intuition. The role of intuition in sense-making is so important that it is worth revisiting. As you work, you are bombarding not just your conscious brain, but your subconscious brain with information. When you have spent hours immersed in a subject, asking the same questions over and over again, you inevitably develop an instinct for the subject matter. Don't ignore this instinct. Make sure you establish a practice that encourages you to incorporate its signals into your conscious thinking. Using your intuition to help guide the envisioning of your work is essential for it to be holistic and meaningful. This way, you are utilizing your brain, full of interesting information and anecdotes, and your intuition, which is informed by feeling and experience. I think this is one of the reasons why I've become increasingly interested in embodiment and body wisdom and um, you know, body stored memories and trauma and, and those sorts of things because um, my experience of doing this type of work um, and, and, you know, the thing that you probably already know about me is that I'm quite a deep thinker, so there's that, <laughs> um, and can tend to be um, quite in my head. Um, and so I've been spending, gosh, I don't know, the best, better half of, the last 10 years exploring different methods of connecting with my body and bringing that wisdom to bear on the work that I do and a part of that is what I'm referring to as intuition but to be able to first of all trust that you have instincts that not primal instincts you know the instincts to protect yourself and stay safe and all of that no instincts about your work and to trust that that's a thing that can be accessed and that can inform your intellect so that it can help put language around it that then can have sort of power and impact in the world. I think it's a really essential capability and skill for people who are working in this space to develop and pay attention to, especially when we are faced with some of the challenges that we are faced with that are so complex and so systemic that um, trying to solve them with just our intellect, I think, is both naive and a little bit arrogant. <laughs> okay, um, let me talk through this final exercise and a little bit more on page 68 and then we'll wrap up. Okay, using your intuition to envision. 
Step one. So we're on page 67. Step one, use your logical mind to create an impact scenario. First, try to think of the most logical, plausible, sensible, and practical impact scenario of your work. Think in if-then statements. If this happens, then that is possible. Use the insight from your work to inform the scenario and keep it as real as possible. Be conscious of what this feels like. And there's a little tip here. An impact scenario is a very straightforward tool to help connect with the ideal outcome of your work and what it is in service of. See page 54 for more information. So that's, yeah, we've covered them in the previous chapter. Um, Step two, use your intuitive mind to create an impact scenario. Connect with what your intuition is telling you is possible. Connect with the feeling of achieving something truly unbelievable as an outcome of your work. Imagine the conversation you want to have about it in the future. Describe this scenario. Trust that what you describe will be informed by your work because your intuition has been informed by the same inputs your logical mind has been. It just works differently. You might not be able to write the scenario down. You might be thinking in pictures more than words. Sketch these out as simply as you can. You just need to be able to tell the story afterwards. So up in the top right, I've written, use this framework to see how different scenarios can be created using both logical thinking and intuitive thinking. Both are as valid as each other. You made them both up. (laughs) I think I'm making a little bit of a sneaky point there in that back to the point that I made before about we privilege our intellect and our rational thinking over our intuition and our imagination sometimes and perhaps we should just even out the uh, the balance there I think I'll just finish on a point here um, on this on this exercise connect with what your intuition is telling you is possible that's one sentence that opens how to do the exercise um, and th- that's the hardest thing right connecting with your intuition and I know this is going to sound a little bit like all of a sudden you're in a mindfulness and meditation podcast, but one of the ways that I have been able to establish a reasonably good connection with my instincts and intuition around my work is through establishing a pretty regular meditation practice, which I've been doing for over 10 years now. And um, I find that if I can be still and be quiet Um, and literally ask myself these questions so what's the instinct telling you or what's the feeling around this work or you know that sort of thing and then just get out of the way and write down what comes out Um, there's always always learning in that and without having any expectation or attachment to it that it's going to provide you with the answer (laughs) is also a really important tip so You know, sometimes the stuff that I write after having a session like that where I'm just trying to connect in with my intuition and instinct, I look down at what I've written and I go, I don't know what this is about. This is, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Wah, wah, wah. Sit in judgment. And then later on, I might go back to it and go, oh, okay, that's really interesting. I think that's relevant to something else that um, I should really incorporate that. You know, that kind of thing can happen. So it's a... It's a cultivated, it's a new way of approaching your work, which does take practice and it requires some cultivation. Okay, Um, I'll just finish this last little bit and then bid you farewell. So on page 68, as children, we are taught to value rational thought over hunches. We are asked to validate 
or explain our hunches logically. Often this is difficult to do because it is a feeling, not a thought. This is the nature of intuition. As a result, we devalue our instincts. Your intuition is the mechanism you have to make sense of the whole without necessarily composing it logically from its individual pieces. Intuition is a feeling, a sensation, a knowing that can't be explained logically. Intuition is something to be trusted. It is formed whether you like it or not and whether you do it consciously or not. It needs to be built deliberately by connecting with it before you do something and then testing it afterwards to see if you are right or if it worked. This way, you are deliberately crafting your intuition rather than allowing it to form unconsciously. Sometimes your intuition is a trigger for further logical or analytical work that backs up your feelings. The exercises on page 67 show you how to strengthen your connection with your intuition and build that trust. Okay, so I'm going to leave it there. <sighs> Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. We're making quite good progress through this book. I thought when I started that it was going to be this going to take forever but we're actually we're booking it as my one of my americans friends would say um okay enjoy the rest of your whatever day evening week and uh, i look forward to reading to you again in the next episode thanks go well see ya